What an awesome intro that is. Isn't that great? That is fantastic. Many many thanks to the station manager, EK, for that one. Hello there. Welcome to the second episode of Lost in the Long Box. That's right. We are back. We are the new kids on the block here at FXBG Public Radio. We're so new, in fact, we still haven't removed our cellophane packaging, uh, which reminds me, um, Mad Men, um, Tommy's starting to look a little blue, so I'm going to punch some holes in there at least for him to breathe. All right. All right. So I guess before we get started, I um, have to do the obligatory. How was everyone's weekend? Fantastic. Good? Awesome. It was great. Yep. Can't complain. Awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear. Too bad um, it's wet today. <laughs> yeah, very wet. <laughs> so uh, before we get started, and, and that's another thing, I just caught myself doing it. If my brain train derails and you hear me doing my ums, as I'm trying to put my thoughts together or trying to get the next phrase. He'll throw something at you. you need to, well, I was going to give him a ruler and say, just smack me on arm to catch my attention. But knowing how sadistic you two are, you'd have too much fun with Don't it. Don't take that away from me, Scott. I want to smack him with a ruler. Fine. Right. So, we'll find a ruler. <coughs> excuse me. So, yes, if you hear ums, you need to, like, point that at me and say something to him. Because I was brought up to me that there's too many ums in the broadcast. So before we get started, I do want to touch on a piece of news from last week which I'm sure you all have read it, um, but it's kind of, damn it, see, right there's one. It's starting to bug me, and I want to address it because I don't like the direction it's heading. And I am, of course, speaking to the Henry Cavill out as Superman. Um, did you hear this news? See, there I, it is again. I heard this news. I heard it was just a rumor. Well, here's, here's what I don't get, okay? So apparently it has to deal with his negotiations for his appearance in Shazam, and I guess that contract negotiation fell through. Mm-hmm. But they started painting it as if he was actually leaving the role of Superman. So the problem that I have with this is his manager, who was her, Danny Garcia, she puts his post out on tweet, on Twitter, whatever you call it, stupid thing. I can't stand it, which is why I don't have one. But she says, be peaceful. The cape is still in his closet. At WB Pictures has been and continues to be our partners as they evolve the DC universe. Anticipate a WB statement later today. That was fine. I said, okay, obviously one contract negotiation broke down. It doesn't mean he's out of the picture, right? Right. But then we get this statement from WB, and it says, Statement from Warner Brothers, while no decisions have been made regarding any upcoming Superman films, we've always had great respect for and a great relationship with Henry Cavill, and that remains unchanged. From previous experience, and you guys have seen this also, with anyone in a, in a role, that is usually the kiss-off. That means negotiation broke down, we're not going to pursue anything, and it's a polite way of them saying, we are part of the company. And that's how I'm reading this. And everyone's saying, oh, it's fine, it, it means it's not over. And then Henry Cavill does this really weird tweet with the, the video of him with the Superman doll that he brings up in a frame and then brings back down again. And even he is saying that, you know, it's okay, the Superman films are still going to happen. But experience has taught me from on all previous um, news releases that this is the end. And how do you how do you guys read it? What is your take? Sounds like the dreaded vote of confidence that sports owners give their coaches right before they fire right. them. <laughs> exactly. It sounds it sounds just like when the owner of a football team says, "I have all the faith in my coach." Blah blah blah. He's done great things for us in the past, and that's the kiss of death on the wall. Yep. Three weeks later, he's gone. Right. And, and what I think this means is the contract negotiation fell through for Shazam, and the way I'm reading this is okay. He's not going to be doing a cameo on that. And Warner Brothers has said, we're going to revamp the DCEU, which means any Superman movies down the road are on hold. And if Cavill wants to do them after that, that's fine. Plus, and I got to tell you, 
I think part of this is a pissed-off reaction from WB for the whole Mission Impossible and not letting him shave the mustache for the reshoots and having to use that god-awful CGI and just see Madman is shaking his head over here. <laughs> having to use that god-awful CGI to cover up the mustache. And I think Warner Brothers is saying, okay, fine, you obviously own Lock, Stock, and Barrel by Paramount. We're going to get another Superman actor. We're going to put all the Superman movies on hiatus. Not to mention, he's now been also cast in The Witcher for Amazon. That I was just going to ask about that. I thought he was. I thought it was for Netflix, but I knew he had something coming up on one of those streaming and, channels. And that's what it is. So while they haven't come out and said it, and his agent's trying to play it off really coy, I think that this is the kiss of death, even though a lot of fans out there were posting on Facebook, everybody relaxed, you know, Hollywood Reporter, you know, was too hesitant or too quick to post fake news basically and i'm like you guys need to wake up this is this is the kiss off and you just don't see it yet i i just don't understand why you care i'll tell you why i care because i actually like cavalier superman okay I, I thought he did a really good job now i know everybody's well, all upset with a dark vision of, just, of justice league and right, the dc right. universe but at the same time you have to remember what snyder said way back from the very first movie there's a work in progress it was originally intended to be five to six movies, and it was going to start with Dark. We were going to see a universe where they had lost hope, and it was through Superman's redemption and him seeing what the world could be that he was going to pull the rest of the world. It's supposed to get to that shiny, happy place. And I just think that was a great vision that could have happened that's not going yeah, to now. it's probably not going to happen. Uh, I just – I'm not really anxious when it comes to DC movies to see oh. another Superman movie, just like I'm not anxious to see another Batman movie. You know, I would rather see them do alternate titles like the upcoming Shazam. I would love to see a Doom Patrol movie or something like that. That could be interesting. Doom Patrol, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think there's a lot of property that WB has that could do way better. I mean, I understand that Superman and Batman, Wonder Woman, those are your, your holy trinity of DC Comics in many ways. But I have to be honest, is like a lot of my most favorite comic books that I've read over the years were from those minor titles, like you know. Uh, like Doom Patrol, like Challengers of the Unknown, you know. Oh, that would be awesome. You know? Well, and let's face it, Marvel did really well with Ant-Man and both Guardians of the Galaxy movies as well, you know, and exactly. you, you wouldn't think B, that those B, would be a... level yeah. Right, those are B-level titles. You wouldn't think that they would be knocked out the park. So maybe they could take a chance with something like, you said, Doom Patrol or Booster maybe Golden. Challenger of the Unknown. Blue Booster Gold. Gold. Blue, yes, the blue and the gold, yes. <laughs> I would love a Booster Gold movie, but it would need to be kind of more lighthearted like what we've Absolutely. seen from Shazam. I, I don't want a like, dark and gritty Booster Gold. Yeah. I want the greatest hero no one's ever heard of, the, exactly. the corporate shill. You know, I want him. <laughs> so you actually want the one that comes back from the future then? Yeah, yes. his, his advanced technology. But yes, arrogant, I, I want the corporate shill that's, yeah. you know, hawking everything, yeah. just trying to get rich. <laughs> and that would be good. And, and I tell you, I know a perfect way to fix the DC Cinematic Universe. And I really hope the powers that be at Warner catch this. The Flash movie, Flashpoint, is the perfect time to fix what is perceived to be wrong with that universe. Oh, no doubt. Flashpoint. Because if if you're going to do Flash, and they've already said it's going to be Flashpoint, then let's hope that someone like Jeff Johns or who has a correct creative vision, it says, look, this is how you reset the DC universe and make it more of what the fans want to see. And then you could recast all the And then you could recast all of them, right. Because... In the Flashpoint, after that, remember, New 52 starts that universe over, so they're all essentially younger. 
essentially, you know, they are yeah. younger. They're at the start of their career. Right. Which again, and that's another series I'm going to bring you, is the whole Superman, Lewis, and Clark, because it's the working of that classic Superman from the pre-52 right. in, into that. that. last week, yeah. So I'll dig those up this week and send me a text over the weekend to remind me. Okay, because I'm really anxious to read a Superman comic book. Are you being sarcastic? Or are you? That is sarcasm, yes. Well, you are an ass. So that's kind of dripping with sarcasm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of got I that. pretty obvious. Mike's kind of oozing. Oh, maybe I won't bring it now. Yeah. I am still going to bring you Afterlife Authority. I do want to watch it. That, that you'll it? like. What, read, what is it? What do you do with a comic book? Read you, it. You read it. Okay. Unless it's an image comic from the 90s, right. in which case you just look at it. <laughs> oh, I didn't go there. From the 90s. Hey, they looked good. <laughs> well, yeah, that's about all they did yes, was look good. they looked good. All right, so that's touching on the news. Um, maybe down the road we'll we'll go into further news stories, but that's probably going to require us moving. Well, I mean, I guess it's the the buzz in the comic book world right now. Right. The only problem is since we're on Monday, is our news is already a week old. Yeah. Which might be a good argument for us moving the show to another night in time. So be on the lookout, listeners. That might happen. Who knows? So, but now let's go ahead and review some comics because we did get um, three new ones from our friends. Um, and I started last week, so we're going to go ahead and start off with uh, Mad Men this week. And remember, listeners, all comics being reviewed here on Lost and Longbox were supplied by Gateway Comics and Toys. Gateway Comics and Toys is located at 2368 Plank Road on Route 3 across from Bob Evans in the same shopping center next to the fitness center named after a precious metal. Visit them today for all of the comics we review, as well as current titles from Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, Dynamite, and many other independent publishers, as well as an impressive selection of back issues for your comic collection. And in case it wasn't obvious from their name, they also have an incredible selection of new and vintage toys. Visit them on social media as well at GW Comics. And be sure to tell them that Lost in the Longbots sent you. Because, hey, we got to make sure we're doing our job of promoting them. Now on to this week's comics. We really need to work on your delivery so it doesn't sound like you're raiding a house ad. <laughs> well, you gave this to me five minutes before we started. So. You did you say need, it was an ad. Okay, you yeah. need rehearsal time? I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Madman, what did you review this week? Uh, I reviewed Moth and Whisper. This is something I want to mention, though, because uh, this is what I did like uh, two days ago. I went over to um, uh, use my podcast app. I use CastBox, and it's just search for FXBG Public Radio. <laughs> You know, and I found Lost in the Long Box in there, and so now I'm like subscribed to it, and now I get to listen to the show because I mean I'm really interested in listening to the show. Why would you do that? I did that last week, and I cringed the entire entire hour. Oh, <laughs> I don't have time for that. But you know, I that means that you guys can do that too. You can get on your podcast app and subscribe to us on our RSS feed. So at least we'll have three subscribers. There you go. <laughs> yes, that'll happen. So I just want to mention that. Also, you can you know check out my show, Shock Monkey Radio, which I have been doing. Thank you. You're welcome. So uh, Moth and Whisper. Uh, it's uh, what is this? Uh, Aftershock comic. Thank you. See, I'm not I'm not familiar with a whole lot of these new indies. And so, um, but I have to say, I am impressed. I mean, there is a lot of talent out there, and I'm, you should always give indies a, a shot. I mean, I used to, be, you know, we'll get into it later about how it used to be. And so, uh, Moth and Whisper number one. I'm going to start with the art. You want to start with the art? I like doing that. Sure. All right. Um, it's less than adequate, I think. Just slightly less. It's not the greatest. However... I don't need good art because what I really appreciate in comic books is a narrative is, is the narrative. And the narrative in this book is very interesting. Um, Moth and whisper is already a, like a legacy superhero. They've been around for a long time. They're established. They, 
Uh, and superhero is kind of a word that doesn't really paint them in the correct brush, you know. They're more like uh, information dealers in the sense that, you know, they'll, de- they'll deal with anybody. If it's the police, the FBI, you know, uh, criminals and anything like that. So there's these two characters, Moth and Whisper. Moth is a master of disguise, okay? And Whisper is a master of stealth. Hmm. And so th- and w- that's what they do. They'll sneak into some place. They'll grab some information. And they'll use their abilities, quote-unquote, to evade, sneak in, get what they need, and move out. So it's basically like a spy superhero. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, superheroes, really. But then you find out, you know, that this is, a, you know, they disappeared like six years ago or six months ago. Nobody knows, you know, no word from them. But then you find out this there's this third character in the story. You start following that character. And then, I mean, and you find out a little bit more background about these, uh, about these characters, Moth and Whisper. You find, out how, you find out some practical reasons, like practical ways in which they commit uh, their, I guess they're technically crimes. You know, stealing data from somebody else. So, but it shows that they are absolutely badass. You know, at what they do in terms of uh, changing their appearance. You know, and stealth. And so, I think that although the art uh, left something to be desired, I thought it did communicate things because when you're talking about stealth, you do need to communicate something like uh, with no words. It's straight up pictures. And it does communicate that well. So I guess it is actually adequate. The story, though, is the real winner here with Moth and Whisper, Moth and Whisper number one. That's what I would have to say because it, it really caught my attention. And in comparison to cover number one, like I uh, reviewed last week, uh, I wouldn't want to pick up cover number two. <laughs> Moth and Whisper number two? Yeah, I'd probably. Has got that. your attention just yeah, enough I'd, that you would take a chance on the next issue. Ex- exactly. So, I mean, I would, yeah. We're, we're giving it what? Word balloons? Yes. Actually, okay. just go with balloons because feedback from one of our listeners is that word balloons seemed a little awkward, so we'll just say balloons. And if we're going to do something special. If any book ever gets five balloons by the writer, then that means the other two of us have to read it. <clears throat> and if we both agree and it all gets five balloons, it goes into the um, history hall, you know, our little hall of uh, honor, where we'll give it – are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? 99 red balloons. 99 red balloons. Wow. Okay. Okay. And so the max we're doing is five, right? Right. All right. I'll, I'll do three balloons. Three balloons three. on Moth, Moth and Whisper. Let me see that. That's I pretty actually, solid. Three I may balloons. have to actually read that myself now that you said that, because if Madman likes it, then it's a good book. That's, that, that's a solid rating, three, yeah. three balloons. All right. Yes. I'm going to read that before I take it back to where, Tommy? Gateway Comics and Toys. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Give us your review. What did you read this week? I read Fantastic Four number two, um, which is bought to us from the same creative team that bought that bought us Fantastic Four number one, as you might imagine. Um, it was a continuation of the story that uh, brings back the Fantastic Four to the Marvel Universe. Mr. Fantastic also introduces a new villain, the Griever. At least I believe the Griever's new. The Griever? The Griever. 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 Griever's in, a better yeah. name. Yeah, I believe the Griever's new. I've never heard of I her do before. not remember the Griever previously. Yeah, I, be- I believe this is a new villain. Uh, the uh, Fantastic Four bring Mr. Fantastic and Sue Storm actually bring Johnny Storm and the Thing to them in order to fight the Griever, who is do- trying to do all kinds of bad things to the multiverse. I like the story as it went through. I thought it progressed it to the next level pretty well. It made me want to go back and read some of the back issues to find out what had happened with the Future Foundation before, as well as 
uh, Randall had pointed out Secret Wars uh, from 2015, I believe it was, mm-hmm. to see what happened there to find out where the Fantastic, how the Fantastic Four got to this point. Um, it made me want to to see that and, and to read that. And it makes me want to read the next issue when they do fight the Griever to see what happens. Oh, they left you hanging at the end? They did leave you, they did leave you a little hanging at the end, but, you know, you got to write towards the trade paperback. You can't draw up a story in, in, in two issues. you got to have several before so you can put it in the trade They're paperback. Very true. Right. Very true. I did have a huge complaint with this comic, but it's not so much from the creative team, I would say. A few pages before the end of the book, Marvel puts in there an ad for Fantastic Four number three that ruins the end of Fantastic Four number two. It does? Yeah, it sure does. I did not notice that because I tend to ignore ads. Yep, it's right there. So I guess it's it. And uh, yeah, that is screwed up. That right, is now very I screwed up. See. Now I want to see. And that that made me uh, made me really really upset when I when I saw that. I I could not believe that they would would do that. Oh, the editor must have been sitting there arguing. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you, you can't put it there. It's like, but we need we, to put this the ad's ad already in there. Run. Yeah. Yes. I I don't understand why this was put in this book. It doesn't make any sense to me. There's there's no reason that that ad could not have waited until the next week in this book, you know, in books, because it completely gives away the ending. Again, I like the story. That was a bad bad editorial decision. Yeah. It, it was, but that that's a horrible decision. The, okay, readers. I see now. I have to interject because this is. I might break the PG thirteen rule, but I'm going to. This is fucked up. <laughs> here's the here's the problem. <laughs> warning, parents. Warning. warning. Check the box. Make contain language. Check the box. Now right. here, now I here, thought we only had to do that if we used that word more than once. Now, here's the other problem with this, okay? Not only does the house ad show you this, but literally two pages after that, you see Reed get his extended family with half these members that are on the ad, and then... To really screw it up, when it shows you next issue, it's the same damn ad. Oh my god! <laughs> right, I just, I, 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 really felt that that ruined the story. I, it, you know, and and it's no fault of the creative team, but that ruined the story. Yeah, they they could have waited on that. Right, I mean, especially if you know, got the same ad right there. Right, the put end. that ad out with next week's comics. If you're already buying the book, you know, you don't really need that ad because you're probably going to buy it again anyway. Like I said, the story was solid enough to make you want to see what happens at issue three. And if you're a new reader, that would probably that, be able to draw you in. But, you know, wait until the next set right. will come but, out. Don't ruin what's it, happening it in two pages. It literally has a text that spoils what's going to happen literally two pages two after pages that later. <laughs> So if it hadn't been for that, I would have given a much higher rating. But because of that, I got to give it one balloon. It, so, so now it I have ruined to, it for me. So now I have to ask: Were you reading this, and they looked at the ad and saw the ad and just stopped and went, "Really? Yeah, that's <laughs> really? exactly what I did." I guess I'm done with this comic book. <laughs> right? No, I, I be, because I was going to be reviewing it on air. I went ahead and I finished it of course. because you know I had to. But I was, Seriously. but I saw it. I said, "Are you serious? Yeah, right I guess now? I'm done. Really? This is this is a horrible editorial decision right yeah. here." <laughs> I, I did not notice that. I, I even took time to show it to my wife. I yeah, said, "Look I at this. Would, would you would you believe this? Could, could you believe that they did this? I what on earth? Too. I block them out <laughs> for exactly that reason." I, I, no, I, I, I noticed the ads. I do, and there is also an ad in there for the music of the uh, the Netflix Marvel shows, which I I like the fact that they put them on there because I thought Luke Cage had some great See, music, so I yes. might buy that. See, but. this is actually funny because I have conditioned myself to just immediately just skip the ad. It's very rare yeah. that I paid it. Actually, I, look now I paid attention to the ads in the book that I read to to track the ones that I wanted to, to mark down here, 
But I have gotten so conditioned to just skip yeah. the ad that I didn't even look at it. I wouldn't look. I so the have fact noticed. that Tommy even noticed it, I went, really? Wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, like I said, it ruined the whole book. <laughs> you're mostly done with it. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're, mostly. Yeah. You stole those last two pages from me. I mean, granted, if they had to run it, at least they didn't run it on, like, page two. Yeah. But yeah. still, at any point in there. That was the editorial decision. Do I put it at page me, two? Or put it meanwhile, put it at, meanwhile, Tom is like, well, hell, why don't you just rip out the last two pages? I mean, if they, put it, if they had put it on the back cover, you back know, cover right fine. after that you, you found well, at the end of the story, it would have been fine. Well, this, but is I mean, what, this is what kills me. You mentioned the ad, and then literally the advertisement for issue three is the same it's ad. It's the same ad on the back cover. Without the, without the um, words that gave it away yeah. to issues pre- to, uh, pages previous. Right. <laughs> And, you know, I, I know in the, the, in the day that we're in, we have the previews magazines, we have the internet and everything. You can probably find out where it's going on. But don't spoil book your own book. book. In your own book. In the book, yeah. Uh, okay. Like oh, I said. One balloon. For, one yeah. balloon for that one. Even though, like I said, even though it wasn't a bad story, you know, I knew how it was going to end before it ended. But you Be, pissed me off right yep. there at the so, end. Yep. So now you know what's going to happen. I'm going to wait till there's a con with Dan Slott. And I'm going to take this book to his desk. Look, it may be four years from now. And I'm like, hey, man, what happened here? Why did you guys do this? <laughs> what was this? the point of this? Because you, you know he's probably got, you... he probably got his, his advance lit at home, and he was shaking his head and then probably called up. Who was who's a editor? Um, I have no idea. Um, Jim's what is, is it Sabolski? Did he? Did they bring him back in? No, I, I can't. Thought... I can't remember who their editor is now. I oh, don't Joe Casada. There we go. It's, it's a Casada. You know, okay. he probably called Casada and went, "What did you guys just do to me?" <laughs> right? Why did you do this? Hopefully, you're not still butthurt over Fantastic Four number two by then. <laughs> right. All right. So let's What'd go. You review, man. <laughs> Give me a moment here, so I'll keep coughing up a lung here. So this week I read. Um, House of Whispers number one. This is actually book three of the new um, Sandman universe. Goes with that with Dreaming one, right? It goes hand in hand with Sandman universe number one and the Dreaming number one. It is a different story from Dreaming number one, but it does pick up from events that happens in Sandman universe number one. So again, listeners. If either the Dreaming Number One or House of Whispers Number One interests you, I would strongly advise you pick up Sandman Universe Number One because it paints the pork, the picture <clears throat> that all these books are going to take place in. Um, but it's written by Nola Hopkinson with art by Dominique Damo Santon, colors by John Rausch, letters by Darren Bennett, and the cover by Sean Andrew Murray. And <clears throat> I should have brought Halls because I'm still fighting with my cough. So. This book basically opens up with um, a character known as Uncle Monday of the Brotherhood of the Teeth. Um, he That's appears, a kind of awesome name. Yes, he appears to be some type of demon because he's not very pretty and he's got big monstrous fang teeth and he's carrying a, a bag of um, prawns over his shoulder. Is apparently bringing his gift. And he comes to the house of a woman named Madan Erzule Frida Dahomey. Dahomey? D-A-H-O-M-E-Y. You Hom? figure it out. Dahame? Dahame, maybe. Dahame, yes. It's Louisiana. It's southern, so I'm assuming there's supposed to be a Creole thing going on there. But when he gets to her house, it appears to be some large mansion out in the Louisiana bayou out in the swampland. And she's got a huge party going on, kind of like a dinner party, but with music and dancing going on as well. He brings her, you know, comes as a visit. He doesn't really doesn't really explain in the book why he's there because, honestly, it's such a small piece of the story itself with him visiting. I can only assume that it's going to play out later. But where it gets interesting is we're introduced 
to three or to four characters in the original Sandman universe, one shot that came out. One is Latoya and her two baby sisters, um, Habibi and Lumi. And in the Sandman universe, she's introducing them to her girlfriend, Maggie, and is basically revealing to them that she's lesbian, which is not a problem. But what happens in this book is Sir Uncle Monday talks to Erzule and says, what happened to those four girls whose story ended up in our lap? So she has a mirror, and in this mirror, she can look at other stories that are going on around her, and she suddenly sees that the four girls are sitting in her house, and they're just playing the game, and they're talking, and one of them has a book, and they're reading the book, and she's like, wait a minute, what is this book that these mortals are reading? Why do I recognize this? And then she realizes it's one of their sacred uh, Loa tomes from her family, and she's like, how did they get that book? And it turns out the book actually belongs to her nephew, the deity Shakpana. Shakpana? Yes. Her nephew? Yes. Wow. So she's actually, I can tell he's being a smart ass, but she's like, what are the mortals doing with this book? So she Right, why, this, why did they got it? Well, we're getting there. We don't know how they got it because she actually gets all her visitors at her mansion, and it turns out they're actually there to ask her to grant them favors. One of them says, you know, will you make this man love me? Meanwhile, she's even whispering that he's not a nice man, but she uses this mirror to grant her wishes, and when these people get their wishes, they go back to sleep, and we discover that they are actually visiting her mansion within their dream. So when she realizes that these mortals have the book, she's like, okay, I need to get my nephew here to find out what are they doing with the book, how do they get it, and, and why is he obviously out creating mischief? Meanwhile, as this is going on, he is visiting the three girls, and they do this rather uniquely. Um, you see a TV behind him, like a large screen TV, probably like a 41-inch, 42-inch, and the TV picture screen changes, and you see his face in the screen, and he realizes, they have my book. And he goes, you shouldn't be reading my book. I need to get that back. And they reveal that he can only take the possession of a body in the real world if he asks permission, but he doesn't do that. He immediately tries to take over the body of the one girl, Atoya who somehow notices wow. that he is there and rejects him. And he's like, how do you know I'm here? How are you able to do that? So after that happens, Azule then uses her special mirror. She calls people up and says, tell me some rumors of what's going on out in the real world. And Uncle Monday says, why are you asking him for these stories? And she says, well, they're a magnet to Shakpana. This is how I'm going to get him. And she finds him. And as she tries to pull him into her mansion to say, you need to explain to me why our sacred family tome is out there, then an event happens that I'm not going to reveal because if you need to want the rest of it, you want to ho, go get the book. I can tell you that it ties right in with Cain and Abel from House of Secrets because they show up at the very end of it. I will, I'll just go ahead and tell you. When she, when she tries to pull him over, there's the equivalent of like a, a rumbling and an earthquake, and then their house now has suddenly appeared in the same realm as the House of Cain and Abel from the House of Secrets books way back in the 70s. And that's where it ends. It's like, okay... A, we have this girl who's somehow able to resist the dream deities because she's kicked this one out trying to take over her body. They have a sacred tome for their, from their family that they shouldn't have. And you get the impression reading it that there's powerful juju in that book and they shouldn't just be reading them willy-nilly because what they're doing is they're actually playing a game of telephone with the passages in it, which is probably not a good idea. So it's a good story. I did like it. The art... Um, is not that great. There's another um you guys are doing. You're failing your job miserably, I might add. <laughs> we, do, we couldn't find the ruler. <laughs> the, the art is okay. It, it serves its purpose. It tells a story. I probably would like it to have been a little crisper. There were some areas where 
I had to look at it and go, okay, now what did this character do here? And, and okay, I get it. They're moving this over here. But it's actually it's an entertaining story. I will probably pick up the second issue just to find out what's the magical power of Latoya and her sisters here. I don't know if the two sisters have it, but Latoya definitely has got something going on because they've already said, this is a mortal resistant of power. How can she do that? But Azula doesn't know that yet, just Shapana. Um, if you want to know the rest of the books in this series, guys, the next one coming out will be Lucifer, and then the one after that will be Books of Magic. So there's going to be four series in the Sandman universe, and they're all going to tie back into Sandman universe number one. So I'll give it three balloons. It's a good story. It piqued me enough to pick up number two to see where it goes. And that's that's that. It's a good book. Pick it up. <sighs> Sounds great. It did sound great, didn't it? Mm -hmm. It's probably... I anticipated it to be a better book than what it did. I was really hoping to get something out of it that would say, okay, this is going to tie right back into the universe in a bigger way. I'm assuming that when we get to Lucifer and Books of Magic, there's going to be a bigger tie into it. My only concern with these new series is I have a feeling they're finite, that they might run 12 yeah. issues and there's going to be a huge climax at the end of them. I agree. Because they don't look like they're being set up to be a regular ongoing so far, all of them have ended on a note of we're tying this one right back to this story. So I see these being a, a limited run. Well, I mean, hearing you talk about that book is it almost put me to sleep because, wow, it's, that's it's a, exactly why I don't like Sandman. It's a, it's a busy book. There is a yeah. lot going on, and I will tell you that. Well, I liked the original series of Sandman. I thought that was fantastic. So that's what made me wanted to pique my interest about some of these. So I may end up checking them out and reading them. Because I did like the original Sandman series. It yeah, it's it has potential. It really just depends on how tightly they're going to tie the stories into everything else. Mm -hmm. I'm also a little afraid that the fourth book that's going to be coming in a couple weeks, Books of Magic, is going to be too Harry Potterish. No, oh. especially when you look at the house ad. And I'm, let me see if I can find it. it. It might as well be Harry Potter. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean. But at least that doesn't ruin the end of this particular book for you. No, it doesn't. But again, it's, it's pretty obvious that, like I said, I just get the feeling this is, this is a finite. We're going towards a certain goal, and that's where it's going to end. Well, what would you classify this comic book as, as if you had a choice between action, mystery, I would say I, can't, I won't say horror because there's nothing really terrible happening in it, but that might be coming. So I would say maybe mystery and suspense. Mystery suspense. Yes. Because right. Well, here's the thing about um, mystery and suspense. It needs a climax. Yes. It needs a climax and a denouement. And so uh, that's kind of why a lot of these Sandman issues have been limited runs. Right. And I'm sure a lot of the best ones have been limited runs because they have a climax. And unfortunately, when it comes to a, like, quote-unquote, infinite series, that continuing periodical you know, it's hard to have a single climax. Or if you do have a single climax, that's for the trade paperback or something like that. And so <laughs> you need to have that periodically in an ongoing comic book. And so I was just I'm wondering if whoever Neil Gaiman Well Neil Gaiman didn't write this one. Yeah, who did this? this one was written by Nola Hopkinson. Nola Hopkinson. <clears throat> well, whoever's behind, you know, all this, they know they need to have a climax and then Denouman, that Denouman needs to lead into another Slow right. climax. And I think, given the feel I've had from this book and from the dreaming, is probably around five and six, 
they're going to become aware of all the other realms and that they're all that all their troubles are tied together and it's going to start taking off from there well, i mean it's the sandman kind of series is is a niche audience and it is and uh i think that you need a good synergy between a writer and an artist to make a good story with this this kind of subject matter right you know i don't if it's sandman if it's doctor strange you know uh something like that where you're talking about mystical arts or you're trying to get a little bit of the spooky into it you know it it's a, a very challenging medium when it comes to comic books it's different in film way easier in film i i can tell you what i'm really looking forward to that i hope is going to happen um in the end of the dreaming we do see that <clears throat> that one of the main characters one of the big bads has able to cross in over to the realm and he's like oh wait a minute that shouldn't be possible if Dream is here keeping an eye over his realms, and obviously he's not. So what I'm really hoping is that when we get deep into the series around issue six or seven of, of all of them, that Dream comes back, and there's going to be a huge multi-part battle that takes place between Dream and whoever the controlling force is that's tearing down all the realms. That's what I'm really hoping for. Much like um, – and Thomas know what I'm talking about – when we finally see the wooden army in Fables, yeah. when the adversary finally comes to Earth. Yeah, when it finally is revealed who the adversary is. Right. Have you read Fables? No. I'm going to start. I need Poor, poor Madman's going to have a pile of books as tall as him by the time I'm done. I, I should probably bring you the first five or six trades of Fables. It's great. It's a great story. Trust me. Starting to regret agreeing to do. I know, this show. right? Hey, th- <laughs> that's the price you pay. You say do a comic podcast. You need to read this, which means you're going to have to read comics. You really so if I bring you stuff. the first Sandman number one, I got the blue guy with the gun. You going to read that? Yeah. You. I'll bring you Afterlife with Archie 20. next week, and you bring me Sandman number one with the blue guy with the gun. Blue guy with the gun. I don't even know what the hell that means. That's the the Golden Age Sandman. I'm betting. Oh, the Wesley Dodds. Silver. Silver Age? Silver. Silver. Was it a blue gun? It was a 20, 20 cent comic. Okay. Yeah, yeah bring it. Yeah, because the original Sandman came from the Golden Age, Wesley Dodds. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll read it. Not a problem. You you act like this You act like this a problem that you're going to give me a comic book to read, really? Damn it. Unless it's Omaha Cat yeah. Dancer, don't bring it. Talk Omaha. about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just opened it up to anything pretty much other than <laughs> Omaha Cat Dancer. We need to get him Darkhawk number one. <laughs> I'll bring it. I got to find it, though. All right, so that's our reviews for the week. Um, again, pick all those up at Gateway Comics and Toys and any other uh, series LCS, they have. Yeah. They they have a huge back issue collection there. I'm, I'm usually perusing those back issue bins myself. The problem is I always tend to go when I'm <clears throat> supposed to be at work, so I kind of have to grab the new books and go. <laughs> I'm going to make it a point to go in on a weekend. So let's, we're going to have a little fun conversation now. Everybody seems to be complaining about what's going wrong in the comic industry. You look at... Any of the websites, you go to any Facebook and someone's complaining about what's wrong with the movie, what's wrong with the book, what's wrong with the artist, what's wrong with the writer, kablah, kablah, kablah. So, let's do this. Get off your milk crate. That's right. Let's do this. Let's bring up two or three things that are happening today in the comic industry that we wish we had when we first got started when we were kids. So, Thomas, lead off. What's your first one? I think the biggest thing that comic book collectors have these days that we didn't have when we were kids is respect and acceptance of the hobby you know when i was in high school it just it was the kiss of death to read to have people know that you read comic books it was something that could would at the very least yeah. yeah at the very least get you made fun of Possibly even get you beat up. Holy dear. Yeah. I mean, I never got hit or punched or anything because I read read comic books. Oh, there was a, other things, too. But I took a lot of flack for it. I can definitely say uh, 
say I, I, I was definitely bullied. No, I, I got what he was saying. I was just choosing to ignore it. I farted in class. They knocked me down on the hall. The comic book fall, spills out of my backpack. It's like, and you read comics, nerd. You know, it was like that. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's just it's something you would you had to keep to yourself because, you know, socially it was the kiss of death. So I'm glad that that's not the same anymore. I'm glad that you know, yeah, I can proudly walk out in public in my Captain America or my Shazam yeah. T-shirt. And not only will people not make fun of me, people will say, hey, I like your shirt. That's exactly. a great feeling. Yeah. You know, I, I have to add that's one of my list too. That's actually my top one is now the feeling of acceptance is the same scenario. In high school, if I had a comic book sitting on my desk, that just was an invite for someone to come over and start talking to me and looking at me like I was an ant. And you got one of two things. You either had the bully who sized you up and wanted to shove you in a locker, or you had the hot chick who looked at you and kind of giggled and, and gave you that look like, what, are you six? Yeah. Right. Because comic books are for children. Right. But now, if I have a comic book like on a subway train or if I have out in public, someone will be People like, People reading oh, over your shoulder. Oh, this shit. is cool. Don't I, turn the page yet. I, yeah. I remember I used to read Superman when I was growing up. So what's And then you start telling what comic books are like today and the storylines, especially the fact that they're adult now. And you start talking about things such as Identity Crisis right, right. Or, or The Watchmen. And their eyes dropping like, really? They're doing that now? And like, comic books are not just straight superheroes. It's dope now, man. Yeah, there's tons of other things that go on outside of that genre. So for me, that's that's a big one, too. The respect level that and the acceptance. Cosplay has even gotten cool. I can tell you when I was in high school and even after that, if I wanted to try and put together a costume to go to a convention, you kind of got sneered at. What convention? Right. There were very few <laughs> and far between. I remember Creation was a big one back in the day. Until SDC, well, SDC had been around for a long yeah, for time too. First they just only for a long time. They just started getting publicity and really heavy notification. Noticed about ten years ago, maybe yeah, fifteen. And then other comic book collectors are like, "Hey, there's other cities." Right. Yeah, the first one I remember going to is probably in the mid to late '90s in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Comic Con. Mm. That that's that was the first one I remember. It was later bought out by Wizard and was right. Wizard World and everything. Kind of went yeah. downhill after that. But Wizard. Yeah. Well, I love the the. Uh, the price guide that they had and everything, I thought that was great. But yeah, yeah the the rest of the stuff was just I trust Overstreet. Well, yeah, so do I. But here's I did pro- like Wizard. Here's the problem with Overstreet, and they finally got hip to this since you brought it up. It used to come out once a year. Yeah. So what did you do for that whole market fluctuation from March to March? Because sit on it. Sit on it. Sit on the comics. Yes, exactly. Wait. You wait. I I can tell you what's the book that I was just telling Thomas the other day that I was re- oh. 52, and I don't remember the issue numbers. I would have to Google search. The first appearance of Catherine Keene and then the first appearance of her in costume as Batwoman, now that they've announced on the CW that she's going to be showing up, those two issues of 52 are starting to go through the ceiling. And I told Thomas, you know what? I'm really tempted to just wait for those things to hit a high and drop them on eBay and see what I get for them. It's a Why total not? of three issues, actually, because it's like uh, there's a cameo of her, there's a full first appearance, and then there's a first appearance of her as Batwoman. You're right. So it's a total of three of them from that series. I forget what numbers they are. I have them pulled out at home. Like you said, I, I specifically got them out of the long boxes for that purpose. you thought the exact same thing. Right. I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens with them. If they, if they hit a high, I'm, I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to drop them. The time to sell them will be the same week that she shows up on Arrow in costume. When she shows up that Wednesday night at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. the next morning, drop those suckers on eBay and watch them go. Right. Mm-hmm. I paid cover price for those bad boys. So, so did I. I. So if I can you know, get you know, a big payout of them, 
I'm going to do it. And, and it's sad that I'm thinking doing that because that just puts me right back in the speculator market of, of making a quick buck off the collector who, who wants what's hot then. It's like I can't move my Edge of Spider-Verse number two now, the first appearance of Spider-Gwen. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, it, was, it was a hot book when it came out, and I didn't sell it. All right, so let's get back to our topic. Current comic trends that we wished um, were going when we were kids. The one that I have that also is really big for me are all the independents. Because when we first started reading comics, yeah. I think we had yeah. them all. I think we could list them off on one hand. We had the big two, of course, DC and Marvel. And then you had, for a short while there, you had Charlton Comics, although Charlton did some really good stuff. But then you had Harvey and, and Dell and Gold yeah, Key and, and, and the Archie comics. There was not a lot of... And, and they were short-lived. They struggled all throughout their existence. They, and it's funny because... Well, I think Archie probably did pretty well since they're still around. But uh, there's, there are Obviously, Archie is probably like the number one comic book ever printed right. and sold. They right. go all the way back to the 40s. Yeah. I, so they were there at the same time Superman was. But now there are so many publishers out there and in fact you've got that previews there you can see how many publishers are i mean oh, yeah. i mean you can use that thing to balance a, a wobbly table that's how thick the thing is and the thing that's really great about all the different publishers is now you have a lot of more variety if you want to do a comic book say on the horror genre and you know dc is not going to publish it you can either take it to image or you can start your own company and i can tell you diamond distributing is really big on bringing something new. You know, you're a startup company, but you're not doing the typical superhero book. Sure, we'll we'll do a, a two page house ad, and they're probably discounting that for new publishers because they want the new material. Well, I mean, it's really simple for anybody to do a DIY comic. You know, I mean, it's uh, like for example, it's really cheap if you want to do a, like an Ashcan type comic, straight right. up black and white. And so, I mean, and I think that if if you're the kind of uh, writer or artist who uh, wants to get noticed. It's like back, you know, back in like the eighties or the nineties, you had to be like an established artist already. You have to be in the genre. You can't just be some guy who has a talent and go out there and invest in your own talent and sell your comic book and make a franchise of yourself in what you're able to create. And I think that because of podcasting and because of, I'm able to publish my books on Amazon, you know, uh, the the idea of a DIY creator has uh, grown an opportunity, but back you know seventies and eighties, you had to be an established artist. It's like you know you spent five years working on like Family Circus or something like that, right? And then then finally somebody at DC dies and you can get a job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, right? Yeah, it was, it, was like. it was pretty much like like you said a good old boys network. You know, exactly. it was like if you weren't in, you weren't in. Well, and here's the thing though. There were those DIY artists that were self-publishing and pushing a book, and but you could tell these poor guys were living hand to foot. I mean, it was hand whatever mouth, they yeah. whatever they pulled up at the at the uh, the trash can at the con was their dinner that day. Exactly. <laughs> well, I guess I'm eating the comic books right. I didn't sell. Right. So, and it was it was a lot harder then. Nowadays, they're still doing it, but they have so many resources at their disposal to get it noticed, which is part of what you pointed out: the internet. Yeah. Right. The internet's a great tool. You know, you you get. it's a lot easier to get noticed. It's a lot easier to purchase than what it was, you know, in our day. If the spinner rack at the local 7-Eleven didn't have it, and for some reason you couldn't get it at the local comic shop, you You were getting it. (laughs) Uh, You might be able to find an ad in in a Marvel comic for Mile High that might have what you wanted, but that's mail order. You know, it was a lot tougher to get those back issues and the stuff that you couldn't get locally. 
know, if you didn't have a local comic shop and, you know, 7-Eleven or Food Lion didn't carry what you wanted to read, you didn't get it. And here's another reason why the Internet is so great for today's industry. Now, if there's a book coming out, I get about it, news about it on another website, or I get a feed on my Facebook. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. I'm going to go read that. Back in the 70s, you didn't have diamonds. You didn't, oh, have, no. you didn't have internet. You had to hope some of the, one of the two or three trade magazines out there ran a little blurb, of all of like three inches, yeah. about a new book coming out. And then you had to hope that your comic yeah. shop was yeah. going to somehow get it. Or comic shop or the 7-Eleven near you. The 7-Eleven. The supermarket and, near you. And it was pretty obvious, well, it's not put out by DC Marvel. That thing will never see this town. Yeah. I'm going to have to clip a coupon out of something to get it. And right, then it's yeah. going to come in my Drive mail. an hour north to the city. And then it's going to come in my mailbox with a sticker slapped on the front of it and folded it in half. Right? <laughs> oh, man. Remember that? Oh, <laughs> and, oh and, I remember my X-Men subscription and the book coming. It was one of those foil covers and the book coming bent. Oh, there was a crease man. down the middle of the cover. Right. It was like That's another one for the list so, right there. Oh, my there. goodness. <laughs> oh, I was so mad. comics in the mail. Check that one. Wow. Oh, yeah. Mail. The subscription. <laughs> well, see, at least now you have a subscription subscription service where I admit I have one with the the Big Devil, Mile High Comics, and that's a whole other tirade. But devil. at least okay. now they come in a nice hard cardboard box. Right. So you're not going to damage it. And they always told me, I remember back in the, the 70s or 80s, they, one of the articles I read said, don't confuse a subscription service with a subscription. Yeah. They are much different animals. I recently told oh, a friend yeah. of mine who got a a 70s book, and it was like an old Marvel, and it had that telltale crease right, right down, down the, the middle center, of it. Yeah. And I had to tell him, you know what that is, right? He's like, that's that's the infamous subscription fold. And he's like, what? He goes, it was yeah. folded, put into an envelope, and thrown in your mailbox. That's yeah. how you got that. Right. Oh, the, yeah, the, your mailman folded it up in there. Oh, my goodness. I remember getting that and just being so angry. Mailman hell. The, the, print, yeah. the printer did that. The printer they did folded that. it and yeah. stuck it, it in was, the envelope. Yeah, just creased down the middle of it. I'm like, you're kidding me. Right. And I remember one time hearing about someone getting their X-Men comic like a week before I did with my mail order subscription. I'm like, I pay to have this delivered to me. Why are they getting it first? Right. I One of the magazine articles I read then, I think it was in the old Comic World magazine. Remember Comic World? Mm-hmm. There was an offshoot of Starlog, and they lasted maybe all of a couple years before they folded. But the great thing when it said about subscription service versus subscription was the cartoon showed a guy sitting there reading a book, and his thought balloon is, maybe the cover will come tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. So, <coughs> sorry, this... Uh, so I mean I think that's a good it's a good point. I think I think what the the point you're trying to lead to is that um you know it was a lot worse uh for nerds like us you know back in the day when you liked this kind of stuff. But then again, you know w- what you see in the world today is like there's so many options, you know, the internet the communications in our world has allowed you to learn more and be able to access more in in those terms. And so I mean it's okay to get nostalgic for um, having those conversations with friends outside of a Seven Eleven, right? You know, and I, I'm kind of nostalgic for it. But when he, when I really think about it, I think you know the, the best time to be a comic book fan is right now. Yes. And so I mean, I think that's why we're you know, we started this podcast. I think that's why we have we want to talk about bring up this list of things that we miss in some ways and the way things have changed over time. But I mean, I think they will start looking back and saying. Uh, the the end of the Infinity War movies was the golden age of comic book cinema. And then we're going to see what comes out after that. True. 
and it may be there may be a silver age, you know, and so like film may start becoming the new medium because I mean, who reads anymore? You know, my book sales, right? You know, bear that out. And that's one of the criticisms of Marvel is they're changing their characters to match more the demographic of the moviegoer. Right. So, but I, that actually still brings up one other thing on my list of, of something that exists today that I wish we'd had when we were first collecting, and that's trade paperback collections. All right. Because it's so easy now a month? to go read a book that <laughs> I wouldn't have picked up before. Because yeah. I can now get it in trade. Get a whole and, arc and see why and, people and I, like it. I can give you a couple of classic cases. Um, one book that I never picked up when it first came out, and Th- Thomas actually introduced me to this, was Fables by Bill Willingham. Now, I remember Bill Willingham from his Elementals Day over at Comico, and it was a classic oh, superhero oh, book. Oh, right, yeah. Um, but then he started doing Fables for DC. And the premise of Fables is what would happen if all the creatures from the fairylands found themselves having to leave um, their room and coming to their realms and coming to the real earth because they've been kicked out. Okay. And the way they did it is all the fables had their own little kingdom. So like the The fairy kingdom, I don't know how to say gnome kingdom. Well, well not really so much like that. Like, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves took place in one kingdom and or one land, one and, land. And, oh, I see. And then the ones with like all the animals, like the three little pigs, took place in another land. So you had this enemy that was sweeping across all those different lands that were somehow all interconnected, ah. but they had to come to our Earth because he would, the adversary was taking over. So that's how I get turned on to that was by Thomas and Trade Paperbacks. Another one, which and I just recently read, and I give you, and this is a classic case of how this is working to our benefit is I just recently read the Vision series by Tom King. Now, I'm not a fan of the Vision. I've never particularly cared for that character. I've, I liked it in Avengers. I liked it back in the 80s when they did the whole Vision Scarlet Witch yeah, miniseries. I'm, I'm eh with Vision. But because of Tom King's writing, and I really dig what he's doing in Batman and the Mr. Miracle series, I went and I picked up the Vision, and I did it getting a trade collection. I didn't have to go hunt all the back issues. So nowadays, if... You want to read a book, and you find out, oh, crap, well, this thing's already 24 issues in, and someone's told you about it. You don't have to go to a comic shop and try to dig up all 24 issues and find one right. through six. Crap, he's missing seven and eight. Okay, here's nine, ten, eleven. Oh, crap, he's missing 12 and 13. You spend a whole day going to different he's, comic book stores you, trying to collect it. And then if you're in a town like Fredericksburg, you've got one, <laughs> maybe two or three. So that's the great thing about— How long have you been here? You remember Marie's books and things? Oh, I was yes. I was one of the I was one of the original people thrown out of Marie's books and things. A lot of a lot of locals have a love hate with Marie's books and things because at one point all you of us remember. All, at one point all of us have been thrown out of her store. I only went in there once or twice before it it shut down. So I actually never got thrown out because oh, I didn't go in there enough. I, so. did, I never got thrown out. Yeah, her that might be a, a you thing. Yeah. Well, no, there was other people that got thrown out. Now, well, thrown out, it wasn't permanent. You know, you came back the next week and she was all happy again because yeah, she somebody had, came in the store. She had Swiss cheese holes in her memory, but yeah. But anyway, so the trade paperbacks, I actually have a love hate relationship with it because I think it has also killed the back issue market because if you're reading an issue of Avengers. And you would find out that something happened, and they told you, well, this was back in Avengers, whatever, you know, this issue to that issue. Nowadays, just go to the comic shop. There's a trade paperback collection on the shelf. Yeah. Buy that. You're not oh, going to yeah. buy the back issues. And I can tell you, the dealer would much prefer you buy the back issues than the trade because he's not making any money of the trade. He is off that back issue, though. Oh, yeah. Well, and, th- and another thing about the trade paperback, do you think that maybe 
it waters down some of the stories that, that creators tell these days because they're pushing for the trade. Like maybe some story that's told in, I don't know, six issues could actually be told in well, four. Well, I, I think that the, the limited number of pages over the, you know, the course of uh, comic book lifestyle, you know, the comic book lifespan, I mean, is is limited. It's very hard for a writer to tell a whole story in that many in that, that many right. pages. And so the idea of a, a a plot arc going over many issues has been around since the golden age. Right. So but it just it just seems that sometimes you know I'll read a story and it's like well there's a lot more filler in here than what we necessarily need and you know it just seems like that they might be writing so that they could bring it out in trade. I, with, I, I see of, your point. Yeah, I do see I your mean, point. I mean, don't get me wrong, wrong. I love the premise behind the trade paperback for the reasons that you said. I mean, it makes it a lot easier to read storylines and everything. But you don't see you don't see like a two or three story arc. Right. And a two or three issue arc anymore. Right. It's not back, it's back not in like the days when there are periodicals you'd get Right. There's nothing where it's con- you know starts with issue one and then concluded next issue. It's and, concluded in five. And issues that's a from very now. valid right. point. Most story arcs now always tend to run four to five to six issues because the publisher says we need to be able to collect this in a trade because people are buying in that six shit. months because people buy trades. I know friends who told me I don't buy single issues anymore. I just buy the trades as they come out, and that way I have them all in one sitting. And I admit I like that. I recently did that with the Flash War. From DC, I waited till I had all the parts there, and then I read it in one sitting, so I didn't have to come back a month later and go, "Okay, what happened last month?" Right, but, and I mean that is a great thing about the trades. Don't get me wrong; I mean, I I love the fact that you can and you can read it all in one fell swoop, and you don't have to worry about remembering what happened in the previous issue from thirty days ago. And you know, you can pick up stuff that you might not normally pick up, you know, just to to test it out or something like yeah. that. So I I get it. I mean, it's a great thing. It's just you know sometimes it seems like when I'm reading something. There might be a few pages in there that we didn't need because of a little bit of filler. Well, and yeah, you know they're the, doing uh, it because they want to stretch this out a little bit further. Well, in the Golden Age and the Silver Age, in many ways, it's they did try to focus more on making a more complete story within a single issue. And I think that they have gotten away from that because of the demand for trades. And so um, I think it's rare if you find a comic book. For example, there were comics that we reviewed here. We had a, a number one and a number two, you know, and it's all basically a lead up or it's the second part of the story. Uh, and so, I mean, it's you never have a truly complete story. It's like every time you buy a periodical, um, any periodical for that matter, it's just like you read through your maxim and you're just like, oh, what the hell's next month? I already read this one, you know, and so that's that's the thing with periodicals. And in fact, those Fantastic Fours, after the Dan Slot finishes his first arc, I guarantee you, let's say the arc ends at issue six, seven will be a week old on the shelf and the trade paperback for one to six will show up. Right. In fact, sometimes they put the trade out literally maybe two weeks after the last issue of that arc has come out because they know the next issue for the next arc is about to drop. Yeah. And, you know, I'm all for something being, you know, several issues, five, six issue story arc and everything like that. But every once in a while, it'd be nice to have one where it's one issue and done. Like Spider-Man takes on Doc Ock and beats him up in one issue and, you know, solves yeah, it. You're, I think just that, every once in a while. I think that you're right. It's like they've got, moved away from the focus of trying to create a tight, concise story in a single comic book to give you that three ninety nine value or that five ninety nine value. And, I mean, that's what people want. It's like, do I, do I want to be sold a comic book for three to five bucks? That is... Just a teaser for the next right. comic book that's three to five bucks? Or is there some value to the tightness of the story exactly. where it fits inside this one comic book? Well, and plus, too, when you look at the price of a trade and a lot of times add up the price of each individual comic that went into that trade, 
the trades cheaper yeah. or, around the, or around the same price. Because you know you can buy the trade brand new, but the dealer has all the back issues, but he's marked them up by another dollar or two because it's now a back issue and it's a hot series and he's got to make some money off of it. But do trades go up in value? No. Unless, well, unless they get reprinted. If it's, if it's a hot trade, like... Like Killing Joke? Killing Joke. Yeah. Or Watchmen. Watchmen's yeah. on, like, what, the 20th reprint now? Oh, yeah. And the first print is, is outrageous. Killing Joke's yeah. really not a trade, though. That was a graphic novel. That was a graphic novel. That was an original shot. story, but one same, shot. But same thing holds. It's had several reprints now, and the first one is expensive. So we're running out of time. Madman, didn't you have something that you wanted to add as part of something that we have nowadays that you wish we'd had back then, or did you cover it? Because I, I know you said you had a, a point that would probably be contrary to what Thomas I, and I, I wish, had. I wish that comic books were in a more common space. Uh, oh. I mean, this is kind of like controversial when it comes to comic books because people love getting their, how the way, direct sales instead of newsprint. Uh you know, the distribution to places like supermarkets and 7-Elevens because I would go into a 7-Eleven and you could just look at the comic book rack and right. somebody would come up and have a conversation with you about comic books. And they At that moment, that's when they recommend it. It's like, I've been reading this. And it was like, really? Is that any good? And you can get a recommendation. And that's because there was no internet back then. That was the yes. internet. It was hanging around that comic book rack. And I kind of missed that interaction. Nowadays, you can just go on your Facebook, go to your local comic book group, whatever you're attached to, and... See, I kind of missed that, like in- interpersonal, and that that's about. a great point because for years I had issues with my local um, stores for uh, getting comics, and I had a subscription service. And then I realized I missed the interaction of talking to someone in the shop, and so yeah. that's why I now like to get them in the shop because I can talk to someone who likes comics as well. Uh, do you only collect comics, or do you collect anything else? Because I collect, uh, I used to collect vinyl. I don't. I don't do vinyl. Uh, I do some of the action figures and, and the statues, but well, it's I mean, pri- primarily just ways, comic books. Any store that has long box in it, it, it was very much like a record oh, store yeah. in many ways. Oh, yeah. And so you could be sitting there, and it's like, in, in music is just like uh, comic books in many ways. It's like, have you have you heard this? Yeah. So yeah. you should check this out. If you like that, you should you should listen to this. I, I can tell you, I go, into an anti- I go into an antique store or any type of thrift shop, and if I see a long box, it's like a guy that missile. Wait. Uh, yep. Exactly. Go right for it. <laughs> there, there's comics here. I smell the acetone. I smell I, the I smell acetone. <laughs> smell the acetone. <laughs> all right. Well, that is everything we got for this week. We're running out of time. So until next week, we're going to be down here somewhere between Action Comics and X-Men. Because why, Thomas? We're lost in the long box. Oh, yes, we yeah. are. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, Thanks for listening. I'm, I'm the Mad Man. I love you.